Today's guest is Dr. Asha Brewer, and we're excited to bring her expertise to you. Um, I'm going to read her bio for you. Dr. Asha is a creator of Healthy Conversations. As a national speaker, published author, and radio host, she frequently contributes her insight to magazines, newspapers, and other media outlets. She earned a Bachelor's of Science in Exercise Science from Florida State University and a Doctor of Chiropractic degree from Parker University. She founded Temple Fitco, a wellness agency, and she empowers audiences alongside their 25-plus wellness faculty. In everything she does, Dr. Asha is dedicated to her life purpose, which is to teach the busy and overwhelmed how to live life abundantly. For more information and booking, you can visit her website at www.drasha.com. That will also be in our show notes. I hope you enjoy the interview today. I'm April Lovett. And I'm Daryl Lovett. And this is Success in Black and White. The podcast. Where our mission is to bridge the gap between Between racial racial boundaries. boundaries. We can't wait to share our stories, tips, and experiences. As well as hear from extraordinary guests. So stay tuned. As we jump into this episode. Welcome back to another episode of Success in Black and White. The podcast. We are back one more again. We are back one more again. And I'm excited. We have another guest with us. Yes, we have another guest. Special guest. Special, special guest. guest. We're excited about this. This one, so. one, she is close, near and dear to our hearts. We have known Dr. Asha for a very long time, and we are so excited that she's going to come and share her expertise with all of you. You've heard her bio. Um, So I hope that you're really excited for this interview because I think that during a time of pandemic and everybody is just trying to make it through, this is going to be our breath of fresh air for everybody. So I am really excited. Dr. Asha, thank you for joining the Success in Black and White podcast. We're excited to have you. And I think we just want to start out Tell our audience about you. Tell us a little bit about your life and your journey and how you got to where you are. Yay. Well, first of all, I'm so glad to be here. Even when y'all were like, yeah, we go way back. I was like, we go back like two flats on a Cadillac. Because <laughs> I thought about, like, I've known Daryl since I was like 18 or 19. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a minute. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I'm just so grateful to share this space with you all and your family of listeners. And I'm a creator of Healthy Conversations. And so that's kind of all encompassing of me having published books and I write for newspaper articles, magazine articles, and I'm a national speaker. I think something that I have learned to even more so enjoy is being in the education space and being an adjunct faculty as well. So everything I do centers around teaching the busy and overwhelmed how to live life abundantly. So whether that be from the words that I write and speak, or that be to the teaching that I do, or even using my hands as a chiropractor, in all of those spaces, I'm able to literally help people realize what is this best life for me? What does that look like? How do I define it? And then how do I enjoy it? So that's a little bit about me, but I'm sure even as you all think, you're like, oh, well, we know her so well. There's these other little random things, but most of all, I just love sharing with people, how do you live life abundantly? 
So, ooh, I, I beat you. <laughs> so here's, here's, here's my question to you. Tell us, like, why are you passionate about this? Because like you said, I've known you for a very long time, and I know both sides of Dr. Asha. <laughs> so this, like, creator of healthy conversations, and you're out in the limelight, and you're speaking, and, you know, you're an author, and um, you get a chance to engage with a lot of people where it's either in a classroom or in any type of audience, like, where did that passion come from to do it in such a, a public, I guess, viewing? I think, honestly, Daryl, I was just so tired of two things. One, living each day just to say, whew, I made it. Whew, I made it. I was just tired of repeating that so many times to myself. And then secondly, being in that clinic space, working with students, right? People are opening up to you about their lives. And they were having the same issue. They were just like, whoo, I made it this week or I made it today. Why are we just living for the weekend or living for work to be done, five o'clock to hit, or if we're realistic and we're entrepreneurs, just whenever I pass out, right? We're just looking for, you know, this, this ending to just start it all over again. And I got tired of that. I was like, wait a minute, this is going to be life? I, I got to do this for several more decades? I don't know if I want to sign up for that. And so out of that came this kind of intrigue. And I said, well, let me kind of study what life should look like. Let me study what it is that's a barrier to that. And oftentimes it's our interpretation of stress. So I said, I want to really dive into what is stress supposed to feel like? What is it supposed to um, do and impact our lives? How is it supposed to motivate us instead of us always being burned out, tired, exhausted, and just going, all right, well, I'll try this again tomorrow. And from that just general inquiry and intrigue, I started to study. And from studying, I started to speak. And from speaking, I started to write. And from writing, I started to teach. And so everything just kind of fell in line because I was wondering those two things. Why do I feel like, whew, at the end of the day? And why do other people feel the same way? And out of that just came so many healthy conversations. And that's how I got dubbed with that nickname, creator of healthy conversations. I remember, so I remember this was a couple of years ago. And I remember that we were working in the same building and you were working as a chiropractor. And mm -hmm. I remember one day we were catching up and you were like, you know what? I'm done. I am going to go and I'm going to start this and I'm going to do this full time. And I was like, I went back to Daryl and I was like, I'm in awe of her. Like, how did you make that decision? You know, both, well, you kind of talked about your passion for it, but maybe from a little bit of a business standpoint, how did you make that decision that that was the right time for you to really pursue what you were passionate about? First of all, you're not the only one who probably thought I was crazy. I thought I was crazy too. Uh, I, I literally, I can't explain just how compelled I felt to say, I have got to take this step and I've got to take it now. I had already transitioned from being in that chiropractic office. While I learned a lot, I learned a lot under just this struggle. I, I named it this Egypt part of my life. There was my Egypt season, season. I literally felt like I was slaving away and I would wear a smile, not to fake it, but to kind of help myself, right? To help myself. If I can see myself smile, then maybe I have energy to do one more hour today, or maybe I have energy to do two more hours today. But then I finally got to a space where even my mama being a psychologist was like, you were clinically depressed, right? My, I would wake up with cramps in my body. I, I couldn't stay asleep more than a couple of hours. 
if my parents did not force me to eat, I did not eat. My mom was doing lunch. My dad was doing breakfast. And it was just a, a horrible space, mind you, while I'm trying to impart wellness to other people all day. And so, you know, I, I'm just kind of in this space where I'm telling you, do these things to help yourself, but I'm not able. I literally did not have the capacity to do it for myself. And from there, I transitioned because I knew that what I loved about what I did every day was interacting with the students. And I said, how can I continue to interact with the students, which is what I love, but yet not be in this space. And so that's how I started working more on the academic affairs side. And then even working there, I learned a lot about myself, had tons of imposter syndrome, which we can get into if we want to. I had tons of imposter syndrome because what is a chiropractor doing uh, working in this academic space? What is a chiropractor doing working in retention? What is a chiropractor doing working with first generation students and resilience? Couldn't tell you, God, God lined it up for me. And then, and then an opening came where I could work specifically with STEM students, which ding, ding, ding was my degree. So I was able to kind of put all that I knew into that. And then God was like, great, you set it up. You did a great job, time to go. And I was like, wait a minute, I've gotten comfortable. I like this space. You know, this sandbox is nice. I got friends, I can drop by people's offices and say hello. And then, you know, all the perks of working at a university, you go to the library, you can go to the gym. You know, D-Love was at the gym. Yeah. I could come and say what's up to my fam, you know? I had all of those things. And God was like, you're going to write your resignation letter tonight, which was in February. He was like, you're writing your resignation letter tonight and I'll tell you when to turn it in. So I wrote it in February, turned it in in June, had probably a major breakdown crying after I turned it in. My supervisor at the time, amazing woman. And she just looked at me, she said, I'm not accepting this. <laughs> I'm not accepting this. And I was like, you have to, because I've gotten enough courage to give it to you today. Mind you, I had written it since February. It was dated February. And I gave it to her in June. And it was the first year, I had no clue what I was doing. I just knew that this is what God told me to do and I gotta believe it. Now I crashed, I totally crashed. I think three, four months in, I was like, well, the way this money is looking, I might not, <laughs> might not make it. And I, I, I mean, I crashed, I'm looking around at ways to be like, how can I save more money? Cause I'm not making any money. Um, I didn't believe in myself. Again, imposter syndrome hit. I was like, I'm a horrible businesswoman. I didn't plan this outright. And that was in 2017. In 2019, we had the, the biggest year. Like we had so many projects. We had to turn projects down. We were making tons of money. And then 2020 came. Uh. Right? So in March of 2020, I was on a mission trip in Peru. And while we were in Peru, they shut down the borders because of COVID. I and so, yep, nobody out, nobody in. So we were in Peru and I was like, well, Lord, uh, you know, I closed down my business for two weeks to do the mission trip. Didn't mean to close it down for a whole month. I just <laughs> need you to work this out. And we were in Peru trying to work our way back. The United States sent a jet over, got 300 Americans, took us out, made it back here. So I'm thinking, all right, I'm good. Everything's fine. Check my email. April, with all the cancellations that I had in my email since I was gone, lost $20,000, oh. just canceled everything. Yes, just literally checked my email. And I was like, okay, that's canceled, that's fine. Oh, that summer program's canceled, that's fine. Oh, this other program's canceled, oh, that's, 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 that's $20,000, uh, <laughs> what are we gonna do, right? Because remember coming off of 2019 where I was like, yes, brush your shoulders, you got this. 
And then in March, within a week to two weeks, all those emails canceled. And so I say that to say that any to anybody who is thinking about stepping out and all this, there's no perfect time. There's literally never the absolute perfect time because you can't predict the future. Had I known in 2017 what 2020 would look like, best believe I would have kept my job. But at the same time, because I did not know, it put me in a place where I'm like, I have to trust God. If God was the one that told me to do this, I have absolutely got to trust that he's going to walk me through. Did I doubt him? Absolutely. Did I doubt myself? Absolutely. But I'm able today in this space, tell you again, we're in a place where we've hit capacity. This is February. We've hit capacity four times already. I've had to tell people no. I've had to push programs off to the summer or to the fall. And so I know that if I follow God, right, if I trust God, I absolutely know that I will be in perfect peace. That's one of the scriptures that held me through depression, pre-depression, anxiety, stress, is that if I keep my mind focused on him, he's going to keep me in perfect peace. And so that's kind of my life as a businesswoman. I'm sure other people have a different roller coaster, but at the end of the day, you just have to be assured in what you did and things will work out the way that they're supposed to. Gosh, I know I have like five. I know I feel like I gave you so much. That was so good. We needed that word. I'm sure a lot of other people that are listening will take away so much. Um, And and if you feel like you missed something, rewind real quick because it is a lot there for you to take. Um, I think that helps transition because I want to get to the next question. But do you have a follow up? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yes. But I will save it because I know we do want to talk about the next question. Yeah, I will say real quick, though. I do remember when you were stuck in Peru. Yeah. And we were like, (laughs) do we need to set like, what do we do? We need to send money to try to get back over. Like, what do we need to do? Yeah. Because I remember it was so scary. It was, and even in that though, I remember distinctly, and it was so interesting because people were trying to like WhatsApp me. I didn't have internet, like a solid internet. Mm. So people were trying to text me. My phone was off. I was international in the mountains, this remote area. I can't remember the exact average, but I think the household average was the equivalent of like 60 or 70, 70 US dollars. Wow. So there was really nothing out there to really communicate with. I barely was able to make posts on my Facebook about it just to say somebody help us. But I remember they had this area where we were, mind you, it's a desert. So to to even see green things in the area we were is amazing. And I remember one morning waking up and I still had my little hair bonnet on. That's how y'all know I had gotten straight out of bed. (laughs) And I went outside and sat in front of some of the green kind of plants. And I watched butterflies wake up in the morning. And I said, God, I have never slowed down like this in my entire life to watch butterflies wake up. I watched a snail move across a rock. I've never done that before. And and in that moment, the reminder was, you see how I protected this butterfly when he was asleep all night? You see how I helped that snail move from one side to the other, slow and steady? I got you too. And that's when I started to feel like, you know, I'm like, I'm all right. You know, I'm not dying in Peru. This isn't, this isn't the way it's supposed to go. I'm not going to be stranded here forever. Everything will work out. He got the butterfly, he got the snail, and he's got me. And so that kind of, I, I, the panic went significantly down um, after that, because we were concerned about supplies. Are we going to have enough food? Are we going to have enough water? You have to pay for water and the city has to send it to you. So if they're closing everything down, you're not going to get water. That's flushing your toilets, that's drinking, that's cooking, that's bathing. 
They also had like a military stance. So if you if you step off your property, you can get arrested. I don't want to be arrested, period, much less in another country. So there were just so many pieces that that went into that. And so I think God was like, look at this butterfly. Look at this snail. I got them and I got you. Wow. wow. I know it was wordy, but I had to add that in. Oh my gosh. I mean, that does flow wonderfully into our next question, which is you within your definition and within the programs that you do surrounding wellness, you integrate faith almost seamlessly and in a way that is that people understand in a way that is not threatening or intimidating to people if they don't really have a faith background. And so I'm just curious, like, why is faith and spirituality so important to you and to the work that you do? Because I I truly believe, April, it's the core of our lived experience, right? So even if you don't call your your spirituality God, or if you don't call it some higher being, we're all spiritual, right? So spirituality really is your values and beliefs. My beliefs contain my faith in God, but your beliefs may contain your faith in yourself, or it may contain your faith in something else. Your values could be things like family, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, friendship, honesty, right? Your values can be this, this other bag of things. And so I think that when we remove the spiritual component from well-being, we remove the essence of who we are. We breathe because we're spiritual beings, right? We feel because we're spiritual beings. We connect because we're spiritual beings. And all of that comes together to create this well-lived experience. And so if I remove that, then I remove the essence of, of what wellness should be for your life. And so that's why I make sure I include the spiritual components in all of our teachings. And I do it as the foundation, right? Because that's the core of who we are. So I do it as the foundation because I don't think that wellness is a one fits all approach. I think wellness is very unique to the individual. So when we are doing our workshops, we often talk about there's these two types of stress that you'll experience. And there's these six different areas of your life where you'll experience them in. But now let's talk about those six different areas so that you can learn how to live life abundantly in each of those areas, even though you're experiencing stress. And spirituality becomes one of the key components that we teach there. And then I think for me personally, I look at the Bible as a manual, right? So some people will see the Bible and they're like, oh, it's just this big book with full of rules. No, it has so much wisdom. Like I literally will understand concepts about life simply because I started reading it in the Bible. I don't necessarily say um, thou shalt this and thou shalt that, that. Nope, I read it in a version I understand. I read the message version. I read the English standard version. And I, Daryl, I will read things and I go, oh, that's why when I'm stressed out, I can't sleep. Mm. And I may read something else. I go, that's why she gets on my last nerves. I got it. <laughs> or I'll read something else. And I'm like, that's what I should do in my business. I learned saving principles from the Bible. I learned investment principles from the Bible. It's literally an instruction manual for everything you may experience in life. And again, if you don't believe in God as an entity in your life, that's fine for you. But it doesn't disregard the fact that you still have this desire to live well and to be well and to live to the fullest extent. And I get the instructions on doing that from the Bible. I like the way you just put that, um, because I feel like and depending on your upbringing and, and how you were introduced to faith, whatever it is, and the Bible, it's like 
it was kind of introduced or taught to you in a form of of rules, you know, or, mm-hmm. or you know, guidelines and not so much as, you know, how you identified it as using it as a resource. Um, and, and, you know, people use it more so as, hey, this is the word. These are the rules as opposed to this is the word. This is the resource for to you. To guide, yeah. Yeah, I love guide, that. So, yeah, I, I think that's good. Mm-hmm. And also how you explain And they use it to judge people. Yes. Girl, see? Nah, yes. you didn't. Don't, don't open that door. <laughs> you open that door. <laughs> don't open that so door. That it, it's used for judgment. And I love that's what the people guide. do. I love guide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't open that it's door. It's a guide, you know? And the thing is, and I think too with guide, you realize you might not get everything right. Right. And it's okay. Right. You're figuring it out. I mean, think about whenever you get like an instruction manual or a guide with some equipment and let me, don't let me talk about Ikea up in here, <laughs> but you know, you'll get some equipment and, and you got it and you're like, all right, I got all my pieces. I'm ready to build. And then you're like, you're building and you're like, wait a minute, I'm done, but I've got 20 extra pieces left over or I'm done and I don't have the screws for this piece. Right. It's because I read the guide. I didn't understand something. Oh, Okay, I'll take it apart and try it again. And, I, and that's how I, I see the Bible helping me. I'm like, all right, I read the guide. Definitely ignored that part, but I did a little bit of this. Next time, I'm going to try it differently. And I'm able, as I learn, to incorporate that into what my company does and how we express what you can do in your own life to achieve this kind of life abundantly, this life of enjoyment and this life of good health. Oh, I love it. Yeah. See, I, um, I'm I'm going to jump off off real quick and I'm going to jump back on. So I'm jumping off. So I was having a conversation with someone recently. Yeah. And we were talking about, you know, some of what you're talking about now, when you're talking about faith, you're talking about God, you're talking about the Bible, how there are some people who just make it so deep and it's not really that deep. (laughs) And I was just having this conversation with somebody recently and I was just like, it's not really that deep. It's like you take it kind of how you just explained it and use it. And you don't have to be perfect, which is, you know, my upbringing, that was one of those things. It's like, you got to be perfect or you backslid and did all this stuff. And I'm just like, good Lord, it's too much. I can't deal with all this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's not really that Tell deep. Tell the truth. <laughs> it's not really that deep. Okay, I'm back on Agree. Now. I'm back. On. Agree. I felt you. I felt you. We back on, but I felt you when you jumped off. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I'm trying to. You gotta, you okay. gotta jump off again. Ooh. I know. I was actually gonna jump off, but I'm gonna stay on. I'm gonna stay on because we have the. I do want people to hear this. One of your last conferences, one of your talks focused on shutting down fear in your life, and I think that was so powerful for me to hear right now because people mm. are very fearful. We've got. I mean, people are scared of everything. We have a pandemic. We have a um, highly ooh, fragile political system, it feels like. Um, we have a lot of contention between just people in our country and people have a lot of fear. Um, and so I think it's really powerful that you were talking about shutting down fear in one's life. So maybe uh, spill a little bit of that secret for our audience. How do you, how do you propose people do that for themselves? So I think with fear, we have to realize that it's really this unhealthy relationship with trust, right? When I say I'm afraid of a person or a situation, I'm saying, I don't trust 
that this will work out well, or I don't trust it'll work out in my favor. So I do two things whenever I am feeling fearful and I talk about the same thing with the students that I teach and the students I mentor. One of them being pause, right? Take that moment to reflect and say, what am I afraid of? And start asking yourself questions until you dig all the way down to the root. Because sometimes, for example, let's just take jumping out into entrepreneurship. What am I afraid of? I am afraid that I will not make enough money to sustain myself and I'll have to come back into working for somebody else. I am afraid that what I thought was a great idea actually sucks. I am afraid that I will embarrass myself. I am afraid that someone will steal my ideas. That's, that's always been a, a fear of mine, right? That I'll be, I'm such a small little entity that I'll put out something, some big entity will find it and gulp it up, right? These are all things that I'm afraid of. And I had to ask myself, okay, what are you afraid of? When you look at that, you can say to yourself, I'm going to continue to be afraid of these things, or you can say, let me address what I am in control of. What, what of this bucket of things am I actually in control of? How can I boost the trust within myself and within what God told me? So if I am concerned that I'm not going to make enough money, what I am in control of is learning how to budget better. If I am con concerned that my business is going to fall apart or that my idea wasn't good, what I am in control of is surveying those who have already provided services to before I went full time. If I am concerned that someone is going to go up my ideas, what I am in control of is intellectual property and copyright. So oftentimes when we are afraid of something, it's this unhealthy relationship with trust. And you're basically saying, I don't trust that I will handle this well, or I don't trust that this situation will turn out in my favor. But if you ask yourself the questions and you have to pause to do that, you have to pause and reflect. You can't just kind of pummel through. You have to pause and ask yourself the questions. What am I afraid of? And there'll be multiple responses for different situations for different people. But then you backtrack it and say, what of this can I be in control of? And that's where you start to place your focus. If I were to always put my focus on what scared me, I wouldn't be anywhere near to where I am today. Because everything I do, I've noticed in my life, I've either been the first to do it or I have been the only to do it. That's everything. I've never had a job that somebody else had before me, even before I became an entrepreneur. I was always the first one there. I was always creating. And so God showed me, you, you got to stop being afraid. It's going to drive you mad. I'll wake up, like I told you, I will wake up with cramps or my stomach. I can feel it in my stomach if I'm afraid. I, I will give myself a migraine. Can I tell you all about the speaking engagement that I had? And yeah. I was like, so afraid. Yeah. And I was, yeah. Okay. Y'all. Okay, I had just gotten into business full time, right? So I'm basically accepting anything I can take because your girl got to make some money. And I was asked to speak as a stand-in. I wasn't originally on the panel. I was asked to speak as a stand-in at this Women's Leadership Institute, which was for higher education professionals, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, all right, they want me to speak on body image. And I'm thinking in my mind, well, I used to host Love Your Body Day at FSU, right? So I'm like, I can pull from some of the resources there and some of the things that we did and everything. And I was like, okay, we got this. We can do this. So I'm driving to Amelia Island, right? And it's at the Ritz-Carlton. And I pull up and I'm like, right, 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 Daryl. So I pull up and I'm like, oh, where can I park my car so that I can drop off stuff? They're like, oh, we don't do that self-parking here. Uh, we only do valet. And I was like, oh, that's what kind of, I didn't even realize that. So now I'm thinking, well, my, my car is a hot mess. They're going to judge me, judge my car, right? I'm thinking about being judged. I'm like, I don't have any cash on me for a tip. They're going to say that I'm cheap, right? I'm thinking about all these things. 
Then I go to check in and they were like, you have to put down like a $500 hold for your, uh, your room. The, the, the people who were hosting the conference were paying for my room, but yet I still had to put down a $500 hold, right? Well, I've been to Vegas for conferences and it's usually like a $200 hold. So I was like, $500, Lord. And all I had was my debit card. I didn't, I didn't have a credit card. So I'm like, all right, well, $500 hold it is. I guess I will not be spending any money while I'm here because they're holding 500 of my dollars. And again, now I'm thinking they're going to think I can't afford this. They're going to think that she shouldn't be here. I go into my room. It was so lush that I called my friend, Dr. Frazier, and I started crying. I said, Frazier, I don't belong here. I don't belong here. I said, this, this, I said, this one suite has two showers, a little mini spa. It's got all, I'm, I'm right on the beach. Frazier, she says, girl, if you don't lay in that plush bed and get a good night's sleep, y'all, I was up all night changing my presentation back and forth doubting myself. My mom drove up the next day to help me. My legs were hurting. I couldn't even wear, I had to wear flats because I was trying to wear heels and be fancy. My mom says, don't do that. You're, you're already cramping because you're so nervous. So I wore flats. I did the presentation on our way, driving back to Tallahassee. My mom and I had to pull over three times because I thought I was going to vomit. <sighs> I was still so nervous and it was this residual fear and anxiety and imposter syndrome, my head was pounding. I mean, it was awful. And when we got back, my mom was like, Asha, you did a great job, but you wore yourself out doing it. If this is your first speaking engagement since you've gone professional, you might need to go back to FSU and ask them for your job back <laughs> because you're not going to make it. She's like, you're not going to make it. What is the problem? And from there, y'all, that's when I started to do the asking questions. That's how I kind of came up with that sequence of you have to ask yourself what you're afraid of. Because I was like, I speak all the time. Why did this particular engagement make me so anxious and nervous. And I realized it was imposter syndrome coming to rear its ugly head and tell me that I wasn't worthy and that I, I didn't have what it took to speak at the Ritz Carlton. Mm. Um, and that I shouldn't have, you know, that I, my charge that I shouldn't have even charged them. I should have just done it for free because I'm so horrible. Like all of these thoughts came through my mind. But again, is that unhealthy trust. I did not, unhealthy relationship with trust. I did not trust myself. I did not trust in my value. And hence, I was about to pass out trying to drive home, you know, in two and a half, three hours. And so I think I needed that experience. <laughs> April's like, oh, I feel you. Like, I needed that experience because now I go back to it and I go, wait a minute. This is starting to feel a little bit like Amelia Island. Let me figure out what's wrong so I can address that and find the, the focus area, which is where I am in control. What am I in control of? Let me focus there. But April, what were you going to say? Oh my gosh. I just have so many. First of all, I was supposed to be at that conference, that particular conference in 2017. I was the only reason I didn't go is because he was also at a conference mm -hmm. and Anna was not yet fully potty trained. And so the Ritz on Amelia Island has a, you can bring your kids, but they have to be fully potty trained to be like in their daycare thing while you're at the conference. Mm -hmm. The only reason oh I didn't gosh. go because I was registered for it. So anyway, Are I think serious? that's really interesting because I would have seen you there. I know exactly what conference it was. But the other thing I want to say is I think that's really interesting. Like the the imposter syndrome is something I don't I don't I think we've had this conversation before a little bit. It does affect women greatly. 
Um, and I can only speak from a lens of being a white woman. So I'm sure that as a black woman, it affects you maybe even more exponentially than it affects me. But I was just thinking like, this is something I experience all the time. And now I'm in a brand new role, kind of like you said, I really connected Mm -hmm. to a lot of what you've been saying because my roles have all been brand new too. I don't think I've been in one role that somebody else has been in before me, um, while at Florida state university. And so now I'm in a brand new role and I'm talking to all of these very important people in this new role. I'm talking to administrators and deans and vice provost. And I just have this sense of like, what am I doing here? Like the girl who grew up in the gym and I'm like, what am I doing? And I'm talking to these people and I'm like, do they even take me seriously? And there is a woman who last week she spoke life into me because she said, you know what? Every, all of the ways that you just said this, like all of these people are talking to each other and they're very smart and they're very brilliant, but they speak their own languages and they're having a hard mm-hmm. time connecting on some things because they can't speak the same language on these things. And the way that you just iterated what you said is exactly what they all needed to hear in the way they needed to hear it. And I was like, wow, maybe that's my role. So it was like finding yeah. my role. So I'm making this connection yes. with what you're saying of like, I've experienced imposter syndrome almost on a daily basis of like, what am I doing here? But Mm-hmm. It's finding those small connections and remembering, like you said, like, what is my role? Why am I here? What, like, there's a purpose for everybody, right? I love it. Absolutely. That. And I love your example of like, I just remember Amelia Island. <laughs> like, that's, that's not how this is supposed to be. Like, it's fun, right? right? This is your, your entrepreneurship. I love it. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I took so much away. <laughs> Uh, I don't even know where to go, but I do have some things that are that are sticking out. And I think that our, our listeners can take this away that when fear, like when you feel yourself, you know, getting scared or fear is starting to invade um, you. I, I really like how you said, take that time to reflect, because most times when you're scared, the first thing you do is run or look for a way out. And I like mm-hmm. how you said pause and reflect. But not only that, you said it, like put it back on you because when I get scared, I'm looking to find out, you know, like whose fault is it? What happened? Mm-hmm. What is it? Why am I scared? As opposed to like, all right, I'm scared. I see that over there. I know this is coming. What can I do to prepare myself? And when you said that, I was like, Absolutely. oh, that makes so much sense because I know for me. Like if if I hear a noise or something, it's like, and and it's just my upbringing. It's like, I'm out of there. It's like, I'm I'm running. (laughs) It's like, I'm running. I don't even need to see what it is. No, (laughs) but, but the fact that, you know, you don't pause, you don't wait, you don't kind of reflect and, and find out, you know, how you can deal with whatever that fear is. um, I think is a reason why a lot of people miss out on their opportunities, their blessings. Uh, and I mm-hmm. think the way that you just explained it and the, um, you know, the recommendation suggestion, however you want to take it, that was shared. Like, I really think that can help. And especially that example that you gave. I mean, I feel like that's true for a lot of people, um, even myself. You know, I feel like that's that's true um, for me. My background is is like in sports and athletics. So like you kind of figure out how to navigate that a little bit. And so now I actually, Mm -hmm. I actually thrive in those types of environments. Uh, But at the same time though, I I do get nervous and and sometimes that fear is there. And my initial thought is like, all right, let me see how I can get out of here. 
But uh, no, nah, that's <laughs> that, that was good. That was real good. I want to do. Well, that. it reminds me too. Oh, go ahead. Well, it reminds me of when you all had a speaking engagement, and this was a few years ago. And you thought it was supposed to be like maybe one hour, but it turned out it was supposed to be like five hours or something like that. Six. Right? <laughs> I forgot. Like, Whoa, six hours. We were, and we were in Mexico. And, we Mexico. and it was not the, like, we had to have translators. Mm-hmm. That was real embarrassing. I don't know if we've even told this story on the podcast before, but um, we flew into Mexico for an, an international conference right. in, um, in, not Guadalajara, in Monterey. Monterey. And... <laughs> We got in and we're like, we gave this amazing, like we had rehearsed. It was like an hour and a half or so. Yeah, like two hour workshop. We'd rehearsed it. We had these activities planned and we left and we're like, all right, it was so great. Like all people had these questions. They, they get like, they applauded us and we stood up and we're like, all right, well, we'll see you the rest of the conference. It's been great with, with you all. And we leave the room and the translator comes up and he's like, okay, well, I'll see you after lunch. Yeah. And we're like, what are you, what are you talking about? (laughs) And he goes, Oh, well, we'll, we'll be back for the next four for the, hours. For the next, yeah, the next sessions. We're, we're like, what? <laughs> but you know what? This goes all the way back to what you said at the beginning of this episode. Your experiences and educating yourself mm-hmm. will put you in a position to be able to, to at least handle things like that or be able to present. And that was one of the things, like our past experiences, our past presentations, yep. and and the preparation that we've had put us in a position to be able to kind of handle it. Yeah. Um, obviously, she didn't mm-hmm. respond the same way that I did. Like I said, I thrived in moments yeah. like that. But I was like, what are we going to do? He's like, we got class material. Tonight. I'm like, we good. But also, <laughs> here's another thing, though. And, and I want you to hear what I'm about to say, Dr. Asha, because I, I want you to give feedback. But. I, and the way that I operate, I had that material with me. I keep that stuff with me. I ride with the HDMI cable. I ride with Mm -hmm. the flash drive of of presentations. So when they said that, she was like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? She's like, I got you. I'm like, we good. We all right. I went to my laptop case. I pulled out my flash drive. I said, which presentation you want to use that we both presented on? Uh that we both taught in our class. I'm like, that's basically what it is. We got four hours to tie it back into what we originally talked about. We got four mm-hmm. classes to go. And work with these people. It's four classes. I'm like, what you want to do? And when I when yes. I put it in and everything opened up and everything converted over, she was just like, all right, well, let's go. Let's go. She was like, let's go. <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. I love it. It's the concept, you know, stay ready. You ain't got to get ready, yeah. right? You yep. stay ready. And even uh, I used to be in Toastmasters and I say what someone told me from Toastmasters, I say it to all of my classes. I say it to all of my interns and I say it to myself and they say, always have something in your back pocket. Mm. So we said Toastmasters, you have a schedule that goes out every, well, from my club that I was in, you have a schedule that goes out every week that tells you who is scheduled to speak. But if someone doesn't show up, or maybe, maybe they're sick or something, who knows? So now we have this gap and there's this opportunity to speak. And you want to try to get on the schedule because if you have a club that has a lot of members, you might not be speaking, but like, I don't know, once every other month or something like that. And you need to do your speeches to go through your manuals to get your certificates. So one of my members, friends from that club was like, always have a back pocket speech because you never know when someone's not going to show up and you can just go. And I, Daryl, have taken that, my Google Drive, straight presentations. 
I'm ready anytime, right? I also have some saved to my computer just in case y'all ain't got no internet up in this place. Mm -hmm. I do also ride with my HDMI cord and I print. I also, the other thing I do is I print out everything. So as much as I do love trees and I will save the environment in other ways, but I print out everything so that I have extra presentations with me. So let's say I can't use a PowerPoint or let's say I can't use videos or slides or whatever. That's good. I got this whole stack of stuff I brought with me. I've got extra handouts with me. I've got everything, okay? Cause we ain't come to play. You stay ready. You ain't gotta I, get ready. Yes. I feel you. Yeah. I feel, and then that's another way just to make it loop back. Cause you know how educated we gotta loop stuff back <laughs> in. That's how you remain in control. So when we talked about fear, right? <laughs> it's this unhealthy relationship with trust. So. If I am in a place where you're calling on me to do something and I'm not ready, now I'm going to be afraid. Mm -hmm. But how do I preempt that? I prepare myself. I bring everything I need. I could talk to y'all for the next two weeks. Okay. Yeah. I got everything I need. Back, I got backup activities. <laughs> I even have, I have this one presentation in particular. That's, that is my, you called me at the last minute to come speak presentation. Oh. And that in that, in my mind, I have that presentation, the examples, all the activities. So it's like if Daryl and April call me, I'm like, I love y'all. Y'all know y'all call me real late to speak today at 5 p.m. Y'all call me real late, but I'm gonna come through because I love y'all. And it keeps me from being stressed out going, oh, what am I gonna talk about? Oh, nope. Y'all gonna get, it's a, a presentation called shop. Y'all gonna get my shop presentation and I'm gonna show up. And shop can be 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, one hour, two hours, three hours. I can make it long. I can make it short. Right. And I think that puts you back in control. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's the ultimate thing is what am I in control of? I'm in control of me. Mm -hmm. I can prepare me. I can get me together. Me and Asha, we can work this thing out. <laughs> Just give me two, three minutes. Let me do some breathing exercises in the bathroom. I'll be right back. And I'm ready to go. Yes. That's brilliant. Yes. That goes perfectly. So you're talking about those breathing exercises. So like, what do you do personally to like, to stay productive, to rejuvenate yourself, to, you yes. know, to, to chase what you're doing? Something I do not compromise on. Do not play with it. As I take a Sabbath every week. Oh, we know there is one day. You. We know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing. People feel like, oh, I can't do that because people are expecting me to perform or to show up. You can show up and perform on another day. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, if people just, I mean, if you were to, if you had surgery, you would have to tell people, no, I can't. I got surgery. It's the same thing with Sabbath. I schedule everything around Sabbath. Fridays are my Sabbath. I schedule everything around Sabbath. If there is a, uh, a work thing I need to do, then I make sure I get all that done on Thursday. Mm -hmm. And if whatever I don't finish Thursday, I'll come back to on Saturday. And I, and I say to myself, is someone's life in danger if I don't get this done? Mm -hmm. And then if it's not, I move it along to Saturday and I call it a day. And so for me, what Sabbath does, it gives me an opportunity to check in with Asha and to make sure that my mind, my body, and my spirit are all at rest. 
So that's often my deep reflective days. Um, it's the days where I may wake up and I will decide I'm going to go do yoga at Cascade Park. Or I may say I'm about to go get a cupcake and then I'm going to sit in the car and I'm going to eat my little cupcake and not feel guilty. Or I may read through, I have a Sabbath book. So it's like a book that I'm working through, whatever it may be at the time. So it could be a fun book, a romance book. It could be a book, a self-help book. I may go through my book a little bit. I may watch The Office, you know, like just whatever Whatever is going to rejuvenate me, that's what I do that day. I also find that because I pause for Sabbath, that's when I get these amazing ideas, mm -hmm. right? And God will be like, oh, this is how you're going to scale your business. This is the next move. You ready? And I'd be like, yes, God. And I take my paper out and I just write everything down or type it all up, right? I'm like, yes, you did that. <laughs> you know, and, and it's because I pause. If I keep going and going and going, I will burn out. I've been there. And I told y'all about my Egypt experience. Mm. I have been there. So now, and I've been doing this maybe two, going on three years now, I take a Sabbath. I've only missed maybe four. And those were the four worst weeks of my entire life. Mm. Things fall apart. I, I miss things, right? Because I'm so exhausted. Mm. I don't catch the little details. And now I take my Sabbath and I don't play with it. And I even tell people, just like I told y'all, look, I observed Sabbath on that day. Can we do something else? I'll tell people. And they're like, oh, okay, well, we'll do it another day. It's not big problem that I thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. So I take Sabbath and I encourage others, find whatever that moment is for you. And I, I, I mine is Sabbath. And I realize some people think it's impossible. It's very possible. You know, you can start with a few hours a week and then you go to half a day, then a full day. But maybe the moment for you is that you you meditate every morning for five minutes, mm. right? Or maybe the moment for you is that you're very specific about your morning routine, right? And you walk through these series of things in your morning routine or these series of things in your evening routine. Maybe that moment for you is I shut down at 10 o'clock and whatever did not get done at 10, it will get done tomorrow. And you take like some time to really digest your day or digest your week. I have grown closer to friends, closer to family, closer to Asha, closer to God. I have aligned my life with my purpose because I take that Sabbath every single week. It's powerful. That is. That's powerful. I love it. <sighs> well, let's get, let's do this. Let's, because in your bio, we did tell people where to find you, okay. but I want you to tell them where they can find you, website, socials, what books they can buy from you, how they can book you. Tell us all the things so that if people need to find you, they can find you. Absolutely. So home base, home base is Instagram at Dr. Asha. It's doctor spelled out. A-S-H-A. That's home base. If anything's popping, it's going on my Instagram. Um, my website, drasha.com, still, still doctor spelled out, A-S-H-A. If you go to drasha.com backslash links, I actually have some information on there about how to do deep breathing and incorporate it into your life. So whether yours is a five minute thing or it's an, a two, three hours, or is a Sabbath like mine. Um, I have that. So that's everybody, you know, because D-Love and April, they're family. So y'all get that. Um, and I also on my website, drasha.com backslash books, that's where you can pick up one of my three books. The most recent one is Reflection Women's Wellness Journal. Mm -hmm. 
And then the one that came out before that was Overflow, Six Strategies to Beat Burnout and Reclaim Your Abundant Life. So I highly recommend them because I wrote them uh, and, they, and they helped me. I, I literally go back to those things and my, my copy of my books have my notes all in the margins and I'll highlight places where I'm like, oh, I fell off of that. Let me work on that. I can, I can feel a little stress creeping up in my life. I talk about Sabbath in there as well. So that is, that, those are the different places where they can connect with me uh, if they want to book me. Again, the home base is Dr. Asha on Instagram, but everything else is at the website, drasha.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the way that you like break it down mm -hmm. it i mean everything is is simple is where you can understand it and they are great takeaway principles so yeah um i really appreciate this conversation so much i was just like this is good i know like, oh, we need to we need to work on some of this so good all right well until the next time we out peace bye, bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Success in Black and White, the podcast. The podcast. Music podcast. engineered and produced by DJ Vance. Remember that you can join our email list at successinblackandwhite.com for more ways on how you can help bridge the gap between racial boundaries. I'm April. And I'm Daryl. We're, We're out. out.